we're going to go into our, our scripture reading for today. Uh, it's Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27. We're going to read it in the ESV. Uh, if you guys are looking this up in a Bible, there are Bibles uh, underneath your seats if you're here in person. Uh, you, you probably want to open up kind of close to the middle to get to Proverbs. If you're at Psalms, go forward. <laughs> so again, it's Proverbs chapter 10, verses 27. We're going to be uh, kind of doing a, a little bit of a survey uh, throughout Scripture. So the, the, we're going to be kind of jumping around. And so if you want to have your Bibles handy, uh, for those at home, if you have a, a Bible or a Bible app handy. But we're also going to project the Scripture, so no worries as well. Uh, and uh, can, can I ask, uh, if you're here in person and if you're comfortable doing this at home, if you could please stand as able for the reading of God's Word. I'll read the Scripture and we'll all respond with, thanks be to God. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. I told you it was short. (laughs) Friends, today's uh, sermon is called The Fear of the Lord. What are we talking about there? Maybe you were thinking like, I thought fear was a bad thing. There's a superhero in the Marvel Universe I guess they, they used him in a TV show, and there's a really bad uh, Ben Affleck movie that was made in the early 2000s. Um, and, and I think they're actually going to start bringing him in, into the movies. Uh, but he's called Daredevil. I don't know if you guys know Daredevil, but Daredevil's kind of like subtitle is The Man Without Fear. That's actually not his superpower. He's got like this kind of like he, he, he was like blinded in some sort of like chemical accident and it gave him like supersonic senses even though he can't see. Everything else is heightened. Um, but they, they call him the man without fear. And I was kind of thinking, what kind of superpower would that be? Would that be a good superpower? Is that a superpower that you would want? To have absolutely no fear. We often say that about people, people that we admire, people who seem really brave, or people who sometimes are like, kind of like borderline reckless. We say, that dude, that woman has no fear. Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? And maybe in some ways you're like, well, Pastor Steve, haven't we been talking about this all year? We've been talking about this difference between love and fear. And this idea that if we are living by the Spirit of God, directed by the Spirit of God, it is a spirit of love, not a spirit of fear, right? And there's these two kind of modes that we live in. One in the flesh, where it's all about survival. And it is ultimately just underpinned by fear. But we're trying to elevate into this realm of love, into this realm where you are in the kingdom of God and and you just know you're safe, Right? There's, there's no fear there. And, and it even seems to be reflected in Scripture when it says in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So at this point, we might be saying, yes, we want to be men and women without fear. And on one level, that's true. But all fear? Is all fear the same? Because there's this thing that you probably heard, and it occurs in Scripture a lot, this idea of the fear of the Lord. And we're going to try to understand that today. But friends, in order to understand that, I want to revisit a concept that we talked about last week, and it's this idea of sin. And this idea that sin is missing the mark. And there is something that kind of mars 
our relationship with God and the way that we think about God, and even this concept of fear gets a little bit twisted. And so we're going to talk a little bit about healthy fear versus unhealthy fear, right? And, and the, the fear of the Lord is going to come in that, right? And so, friends, we do have to acknowledge that one of the consequences of sin is that it disconnects us from God. And so when we are talking about the fear of the Lord, it is not meant to be something that separates us from God, right? I want to be clear about that, right? You can have the fear of the Lord and you can walk with the Lord, right? But oftentimes the way we think about fear today is fear like makes you want to run away or fight someone, right? It's like one of those two things. You don't want to be around something that you fear, right? So if somebody comes in here like brandishing like some sort of weapon, like a knife or something, you know, or nunchucks, you're probably not going to want to be like, hey, let's be close, right? You're going to run away, right? Uh, and, and so this idea of fear, uh, it, we misunderstand it if we think it's something that's separating us from God. And I think some of that understanding is marred by sin. Uh, but I think some of the ways that we also talk about not having fear is also marred by sin. But we'll get to that. So friends, I, I do want to acknowledge that all throughout Scripture, it, it, it talks about this so often, this idea of the fear of the Lord. It is pretty much the theme of the book of Proverbs. If you look at Proverbs, in the very beginning, um, there's like this intro where it just talks about, you know, that uh, th- these are the Proverbs of Solomon, and th- there's all these different things that we're supposed to learn, and, and these different instructions and how important instruction is. And pretty much the first thing, the first proverb in the book of Proverbs is in verse 7, where it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And again, uh, Proverbs 9.10, I'm not going to give you every instance of where it says the fear of the Lord, because it happens so much in Proverbs. They repeat the same thing. In fact, it, almost word for word, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So friends, uh, uh, we're, we're going to try to understand how we can have fear of the Lord and yet live a life where we are in the realm of love and not fear and not be separated from God, right? And so what it's talking about here is it's equating something. The fear of the Lord helps us to be wise. And it also gives us knowledge, right? So in knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So there's a couple of things there. We need to fully understand who God is. When we understand who God is, well, you're going to understand that he's not something to be trifled with, right? And so this knowledge is about putting God in his proper place, right? We sang this song uh, during the praise set, indescribable, talking about how God like created, you know, the heavens and the earth and all the celestial bodies and the planets and, you know, that this universe that God created is so infinitely big, right? And it's humbling. And and in many ways, it is this kind of respect that we have for the majesty of God. Sometimes people translate the fear of the Lord as respect, awe, even honor, Right? It's this idea where you're like, God, you are so big. I'm not going to take you lightly. 
right? If I know what you are capable of, if I know that this God is so powerful, so big, you got to respect that. Now, friends, um, I know some people who seem to have no fear. They're kids. <laughs> I, I knew this one little boy who, like, we, we seriously would say this all the time about him. We're like, this boy has no fear, like absolutely no fear. And, and so what would happen is that he would often have to go to the hospital because he's like jumping off tables and stuff, right? He would run into traffic, and thankfully nothing terrible happened there. You know, his mom or dad would run out like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But this boy has no fear. Now, if you've ever seen an automobile, I don't know if you guys fear an automobile. Do you guys fear an automobile? You might fear an automobile if you're in the middle of traffic, right? But you should have respect for this, right? Because you should know what it's capable of, right? Um, it, it's, it's, it's very, very heavy, right? And just physics is what it is. If it's moving at a certain speed and you get hit by it, it's going to crush some bones. Sometimes, man, I feel like we don't have the proper respect for automobiles. This is a little bit of a pet peeve of mine when I'm driving around campus. And if this is you, it's okay. I love you. I forgive you. But Maybe just take this to heart. If you're crossing the street and like literally there are like several hundred pound death machines just whizzing by on the street, right? <laughs> and those are the automobiles, by the way, right? If they hit you, you dead, right? Or you are seriously messed up. And there are people who are just like, just on their phone, just looking down, not looking at anything as you're crossing the street. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You don't have the proper respect for what is going on around you, for these automobiles and what they can do to you, right? And this idea of knowledge, knowledge, right? Knowing who God is. And if you know who God is, then you can't so, so quickly dismiss him. Right? And so some of you might say that little boy who's running out into traffic or that little boy who's jumping off of tables, he doesn't have wisdom. And you're right. That's why it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You got to know what's what. And you got to know where power is. Right? And if you know that God has the power, you should respect that. And not only that, I mean, we're going to talk about this more, but this idea that you've got to respect the world that God created and how he created it, right? That's a part of wisdom. And so then it says, Proverbs 8.13, this is another theme you're going to see with the fear of the Lord. There's going to be uh, sort of a contrast. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So, Basically, these two things are polar opposites. Having the fear of the Lord and this, this idea of evil. What, what is it talking about? Arrogance, pride. Basically, not doing the things of God. Basically saying, you know what? I'm just going to do whatever I want. There's another word that uh, is used for this in the Bible. It's not my word, sorry. Uh, it's going to sound kind of mean. It says fools, fools, Right? That, that instead of being wise, you're foolish. And there are certain people that are living their life in such a way as if there was no God. Right? As if there was no God. And so there's no one that can keep you in check. 
And it's just like, woo, I can do anything, right? And throughout scripture, there is this contrast between people who do this evil, and basically it's just about doing whatever you want, right? Like just living life by your own terms with no limits. But if you have respect, awe, fear of God and what he is capable of, you wouldn't do that. If you knew what you were created for, right? And that the God of the whole universe created you in a certain way and he wanted you to live in that way, maybe you wouldn't do that if you really, really, really understood that, right? And so friends, this is the thing. We got to know who God is. I wonder, I wonder for Christians today, there is a way that we think about fear uh, where we're like, yeah, but Pastor Steve, you know, you're using a lot of Old Testament, right? You're using Proverbs and you're talking about some of the stuff that don't we have Jesus and didn't Jesus get rid of all the fear? And I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to front. Fear of the Lord appears way more, way more in the Old Testament than it does the New Testament. But it does appear in the New Testament. And definitely there is something that the cross brings that is very, very important. But remember, remember, we have a great potential (laughs) for sin, this idea that we kind of distort the things of God. And I think this is something that has happened today. So there is this idea that, yes, because of what Jesus did for you, you are forgiven, right? For any sin that you have ever committed, right? We believe that and we own that. And it's an awesome thing. Definitely, no one can take that away from you. But so let me just show you kind of like the difference, like Old Testament thinking and New Testament thinking, right? So Old Testament thinking, you have this God who is just powerful, right? Created the heavens and the earth. And you have seen this God at times completely level cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. By the way, it's very interesting. I mean, this is a little bit of an aside, but archaeologists think that they actually found the historical Sodom. And what they found is that it's really weird because it just looks like this city has been melted. That something happened that just changed the structure of the ground where it's like almost just like glass. They don't know what, what could have caused that. But something just completely demolished the city. Right? And so there are people who see this and they hear the witness of what this God can do. And yeah, they're afraid. It is respect, it is all, but it's fear. Anytime someone comes in contact with God in the Old Testament, they're always afraid. They're always like, oh my gosh, I'm a sinful person. Do you remember when Peter first meets Jesus? And Jesus seems to have powers that other people don't have, right? There's a miraculous catch of fish. And Peter says what? He says, get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. This idea that because we are sinful, if we sin, oh my gosh, there's no telling what God could do to you, right? You would deserve it too. And so there's this great reverence and great fear of what God could do. And so if you have that way of thinking, man, if you do something wrong, right? If you sin, if you mess up, you might be like, oh my gosh, does God see that? Like, like what's going to happen to me now? And so, yes, in the Old Testament, there was a system of offerings that they would give, you know, sacrifices, to pay for those sins. Um, But what we believe 
with Jesus is that he is the perfect sacrifice. And so we don't do that anymore, right? You've never seen me cut open a dove in service and pour it over an altar, right? You've never seen me do that, right? Because we don't do that anymore, right? Jesus paid the, the price on the cross for all of our sins for all time, and we don't do that anymore. Amen, right? Hallelujah. It's a great thing, right? Because uh, I think that's kind of gross. I wouldn't want to do it, you know? But also just this idea that by faith, and when we say faith, it really is about trust. It is really about aligning your life with God, where you fully trust the promises he has for you. It's not just this mental ascent of like, oh yeah, I believe that Jesus died for me, but I'm going to live as if that's not true. I'm going to live as if there is no God. No, that's not faith, guys. That's magic. We're not talking about magic. We're talking about relationship. The kind of faith you place in another person that you fully trust, right? And so what we are learning about the character of God, fully expressed in Jesus, is yes, he is still this powerful God, but he loves us. He loves us so much that he would be willing to sacrifice for us. And it's a way of him telling his people, you can be close to me now. You don't need to run away from me. Right? Like people in the Old Testament would always do whenever they thought they saw God. Ah! No! God's like, I want you to be one with me. Remember last week we kept reading that passage, Jesus' high priestly prayer before he went to the cross? And he kept saying, one, over and over again, I want you to be united with me. That's the, the, the hope, right? But friends, we can get too carried away with that, and I think we do. You know, we're like, okay, Jesus forgives us perfectly, right? And there are many Christians who I think who live with zero fear of God. Like, like we just live so casually, and maybe we forget. We forget the knowledge of who God really is. I, I just want to remind us real quick, just one story, right, of the Lord. Because, by the way, um, whenever I, like, copy and paste uh, the, the Bible passages from the Old Testament into my slides, it always removes the all capitals of Lord. But I, I went and put it back in. So you guys may know, if you've ever heard me preach on the holy name of God, that in your Old Testament, so guys, if you look at the, those passages that we read in Proverbs, um, whenever it says Lord, it's not like normal Lord. It's all uppercase. Have you noticed that? Because that is not saying Lord. It is saying the holy name of God. This is what we learn from Moses. Do you guys remember? Moses encounters God in this burning bush, right? This bush that is not being consumed. And from the midst of that, he hears a voice. And the voice says, I am going to rescue your people, right? Like, like your people have been enslaved by Egypt. I've heard your cries. I have not ignored them. And I'm going to raise up my might to rescue you. Now, there's a couple things going on here, and you can kind of see in this passage, uh, or, or in this uh, uh, picture here, but Moses is afraid. <laughs> he's afraid when he's in the presence of God. And he's also afraid because of what God is asking him to do. He's afraid because he's asking Moses to go to the greatest power on earth, and tell them, you know what? That free labor force that you've been enjoying <laughs> for years, 
yeah, my God that you don't believe in says to let them go. (laughs) And Moses is rightfully afraid. If, if, if you don't understand who God is, then he's rightfully afraid. And so Moses is like, well, like, what do I say to people if they're like, okay, who is this God? <laughs> What's his name? And God just, just, I mean, it is a mind-blowing story. God is like, let me tell you my name. And he tells him, guys, what is the name of God? Do you guys know? Does anyone know? What is the name of God? What do we think it is? If you've heard me uh, preach on this, this name is so holy and sacred to Jewish people, that whenever they see it written, they don't say it out loud. Actually, Jewish people to this day, because God, I mean, it's a title, but we use it like the name of God. When they write God, you'll see them write G-D. Have you ever seen a Jewish person do that? It's the same idea. This name is so holy, so holy. Like, they don't even want to, like, write, like write it out or, or say it out loud. So whenever they would see it written in Scripture, they would say, Lord, instead, right? And that's why it says Lord, right? But it is actually Yohevathe. A lot of people, they pronounce it as Yahweh. So the English equivalent of Y-H-W-H, right? But it means I am that I am. I am. I've always been here, right? Like, man, all this stuff that we worry about in life, right? It's so temporary, But God has been here through it all, eons, from the beginning of time. Friends, did you know that scientists, like, like for the longest time, they actually fought this. Now the Big Bang, it's just accepted, right? The idea that the universe has a beginning, because it totally boggles the mind of science, because we're taught, right, first law of thermodynamics, energy, matter, is neither created nor destroyed, right? But the universe has a beginning, what? <laughs> it hurts your mind, right? You're like, wait, 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 wait. You're saying, your science has told you always that none of this could be created. That's just science, fact, we thought. But our science also shows us the universe has a beginning. Guys, it's really interesting. They didn't know anything about this. Moses didn't know about, like, you know, like astrophysics or any of that kind of stuff. There is a God outside of time. He's always been here. And he is the one who created all of it. I am that I am. I am that I am is going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. So Moses, you don't need to be afraid. Well, you don't need to be afraid of Pharaoh, (laughs) right? But throughout time, the Israelites have always had this great honor and respect this awe of a God that they know is awesome. They know it. They know it. Friends, have we lost that? Have we lost that a little bit? Let's take a look at the Psalms, right? I want to show you. It's all over Scripture, right? You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, Right? So this idea that the fear of the Lord, it's not a fear that's just meant to make us run away. It is a fear that's meant to make us worship. Because we see how awesome and mighty he is. Right? And a God like this would want to have a relationship with us. 
It is just, you can't help but fall on your knees and worship, right? Psalm 25, 14, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. So again, you see, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Why? Why is that most, so important? Right, friends, this idea of the fear of the Lord, it's just, it just makes sense if you know who God is. And so, friends, one of the things that for me, I'll be honest, this message has come out of me reading Scripture. And I didn't like it at first. Because I built a system, right? Through reading Scripture, mind you. But it was definitely a system that kind of developed when I was reading about, like, oh, yeah, the spirit of love, the spirit of love drives out fear, drives out fear, no fear, no fear. And I would read the scripture, and then I would see people in the New Testament, whenever God would do something amazing, or one of the, the disciples would do, like, something amazing, or Jesus would do a miracle, everyone around them, it says they were filled with fear. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Perfect love drives out fear. Why are they filled with fear? And so, friends, I had to understand that there is one fear that is permissible. This is a little bit of a paradox, right? Yes, we are not supposed to fear anything except God. There's one fear you have, (laughs) and it's God. Everything else we don't fear, right? And so, but I want you to see, it is important, right, for our relationship with God. Because if you don't have that respect for God, in many ways, you are not understanding who God really is. Do you guys ever fear your parents? I did. I definitely did. My dad is about 5'3 on a good day. He's, he's not a big man. But when I was younger, I didn't know that, right? Like, of course, your parents just seem like giants to you, right? And man, if my dad ever, like, raised his voice just slightly... It was like the fear of God, right? Like, I was so afraid. I was so afraid of what he might do to me. Yeah, and my dad, like, um, you know, I, I think there's a couple times, like, when, when we were young, uh, you know, we, we get a little swat. But for the most part, he never touched me. But at the same time, I was so afraid of him, right? Now, I'm at the point, like, my parents are older now, you know, and, and I just told you guys in the prayer request, my dad has all these health issues my, my, both my parents are, are, like, much weaker physically than they were before. And so when I go to their house now, I'm like, man, I'm not afraid of you anymore, right? Dad, get out of here. Of course not. Of course not. I don't do that, right? But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I want in your house, right? I'm going to take whatever food I want because you can't stop me. Of course not. Of course not, right? I'm not afraid of them physically anymore. But I still respect them. When I go to their house, I still treat all of their stuff with respect because they're my parents, because I understand that they're my parents. And so it's not a respect that is born out of this kind of fear of like they're going to physically do something to me, right? But it's because over the years, I have come to understand my parents more. I've come to know them more. And that knowledge has created more respect for them. And as we get closer to God, if you come to know the true God, you can't help but have respect for God. The closeness is not going to create this sort of like casualness, right? You know, like, like, please don't hear this as saying that you should cringe in the sight of God. That's not what we're saying, 
right? But if you are just completely casually just tossing around the name of God, and if you're just casually like sinning and doing all this stuff, and you're like, whatever, God. (laughs) We have this Jesus thing, I guess. But you just have no respect. You have no respect at all. Friends, I got to tell you, please don't take this the wrong way. But just from everything that I know, I don't think you really know God. Is that too harsh? I don't think you really know God then. Right? In the same way, if I went to my parents' house and just completely disrespected their house and I disrespected them, I don't think I completely know them. Does that make sense? Yeah? And so, friends, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So, friends, this is Psalms, right? This is just a few chapters after the ones that we just put up there. It's talking about the fear of the Lord, right? And yes, the fear of the Lord causes you to praise God. The fear of the Lord, you know, is necessary for a friendship with God because that's, you, you got to respect God. You got to honor him. You got to know who he is, right? But also this idea that if you have the fear of the Lord in place in life, you don't need to fear anything else. Not really. Now, we're going to kind of amend this just slightly, right? But there is this idea. Um, it also says in another psalm, uh, there's a psalm where it talks about uh, the fear of God in terms of, uh, this is Psalm 118.6. It says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And actually, Hebrews chapter 13, they quote this psalm right? That, that this idea, if the Lord is on my side, if the Lord is with me, I don't need to fear any man, right? Because if you understand who God is and how mighty and powerful he is, then every other power seems so small in comparison, right? You're like, yo, this God is with me, right? And you got to know that, and you honor and respect that. But friends, the good news is, if this God is on your side, it's like you go in a fight, right? And it's just puny you. And there's a whole gang of people. They're like, what's up? What's up? And you're like, what's up? And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, oh, shoot. I didn't know. I didn't know. And, and, and it's because if you look behind you, there's like a huge God who's behind you, right? There's a, you ever see like those movies, right? Where like the, the one like kind of pipsqueak, like, you know, I think it's in Lion King too. Like Simba, it's like roaring and the hyenas, they run away. But it's not because of Simba. It's because Mufasa is behind him, right? And in the same way, right, we can be a lot tougher. (laughs) We can be a lot less afraid because we know we have this massive God who backs us up. And so we don't need to be afraid. Friends, I want to take a look at the scripture that we read today, this really short one. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. So friends, um, for, for one, I mean, do you believe that to be true? Do you believe that the fear of the Lord actually prolongs your life? I think some people, they kind of feel like, you know, if I'm going to fear God, it's like holding me back from life. You know, my life is not going to be as fulfilling. You know, I want to be free. And this is one of the lies that we have been told by sin, is that freedom to do whatever you want will give you the life that you want. And friends, if you've ever seen like a drug addict or an alcohol addict, you know that that's not true. You ever seen people who just do whatever they want, right? Like, I, I mean, you know, I, 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 we had this relationships talk uh, 
on Friday, and, and I often talk to couples like, like premarital counseling, and the number one thing that I tell them is the center of your marriage is the vow, the promise you make, this line in the sand that says, I am going to be married to you and love you no matter what, until one of us dies. But the world doesn't like that. And there are people who are like, oh, it's too restricting, you know? Not like a one woman or a kind of guy, you know? I, I just, I want to do whatever I want to do. And if you do that, friends, you're not going to have the beauty that is marriage. You're not, right? You can't just do whatever you want, whenever you want to, if you want to truly have a flourishing life, right? And so the fear of the Lord puts constraints on us. It must, right? And part of the fear of the Lord that I think prolongs life is understanding the world as he created it, right? And understanding that, yes, when God is with you, you definitely don't need to be afraid. But God created this world the way that he did, and you have to respect that. I had a friend once, um, we were at a retreat, and he was like, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, this brother, I, 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 lo- I loved him so much, um, but the way that he read scripture, he's like, oh my gosh, like if God is with us, we can do anything. We literally can do anything. You see the disciples are like walking on water, there's like a pond outside, and it was in the middle of Cleveland winter. And, and like, like, it was like not completely frozen, but it was definitely cold. And he's like, yo, 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 Steve, let's go outside right now. Let's go walk on that water. God's with us, right? What do we have to be afraid of? What do we have to be afraid of? <laughs> and friends, you know, so, so yeah, okay, look at the story with Peter. You notice what happens with that? Peter asks a very important question before he goes out on the water, right? Or he says something very important to Jesus. He says, Jesus If you want me to come out on the water, if you command me, then I will. Right? If it's your will for me to come out on the water right now, then I will. Right? But ordinarily, the disciples have to obey the laws of physics just like the rest of us. Right? Have you noticed, you never hear other stories of Peter like, ah, I don't need the boat, and he's just on the water. Right? You never hear that. Right? You, you, you never hear about, you know, Christians just ordinarily just walking on water, right? That's not how it works, right? We have to obey the laws that God put in place that govern the whole universe just like everyone else. And that's actually respecting God. That's actually respecting, um, you know, fearing the way that he created this world, right? Like not fear as in the cringing fear, but just respecting it. You know, sometimes I see crazy people like jumping out of airplanes, like without, like, like, uh, uh, you know, w- without uh, um, uh, parachutes and, you know, just doing crazy stuff like that. And I'm like, I respect God so much <laughs> that I definitely create, I definitely, definitely, definitely respect the gra- gravity that he created. You know what I mean? And so friends, um, you know, it doesn't mean be reckless, right? And I think if we understand that, right, then I think it actually can prolong your life. I, I have this uh, picture here. Um, my family went to Chicago this past week, and we went up to the Sky Deck. Have you guys ever been to the Sky Deck? It's on top of uh, one of the, the largest buildings in Chicago. You go up 103 floors into the air, right, up this building, and on the top floor, you can go out, and they created these little boxes 
that are cut into the building, right, and that just jut out of the building. And so the box is, it's kind of hard to see in this picture, but the glass, the, the floor is completely glass. The entire thing is glass. And so you see this person in this skybox just jumping, right? And we went out there, and they told us uh, it, it, was, it was like cloudy that day. They said there's zero percent visibility. Do you still want to go? We're like, well, we bought the ticket, so I, I guess yes. You know, and we went up there, and we, we were like, okay, zero percent visibility? What is that? I mean, I'm sure we'll see something. It was zero percent visibility. We were like in a cloud, right? But it was kind of cool because we were like, it looked like you were in a light box, and I am a wimp with heights, so I actually preferred that. I was like, zero percent visibility, you know? Uh, but I got to tell you, like, like my daughter, man, she would like, like go in there, and she would just be like, and like hit the side of the thing. And I'd just be like, oh, oh, what are you doing? And she would like lie on the floor and stuff. And like, you know, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And she'd like kind of jump a little bit, like press up against the thing. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I got out, right? And friends, this is the thing. But my daughter, right, she's right. I'm the scaredy cat. I'm the one who's being irrational. She's like, dad, it's safe. It's safe. I mean, you know, do you see all these metal rivets? She didn't say that. But, like, if you looked around, man, they built this thing tight. And they took stinking stock photos of people jumping. And they actually had to do that, right? There are people who have done this, and they know it is perfectly safe, right? But, friends, if there wasn't the skybox, I would not recommend this. (laughs) I would not recommend jumping out just into thin air, Right? And so, friends, if you know that God is with you, right, and we have to definitely respect the world he created and how he created it, right? Don't be stupid or foolish in the name of God. I I had this one friend, and thankfully nothing ever happened to her, but she used to get sleepy while she was driving, and she was like, she would literally, this song was really popular at the time, she'd be like, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, that's not being faithful, right? That's not being brave, you know? That's not respecting the fact that your body is created with limits, right? And that you literally have to see the road to be able to drive on it, you know? And friends, but at the same time, if we know that God is with us, then it's kind of like the skybox, right? And and if we know at these times, like, there are going to be things that we're afraid of, that makes sense. You, you are given a fear response for a reason. If you suddenly find yourself in the middle of traffic, be afraid and run, right? And, and, and it, it, like, like definitely your fear response will save your life. God created your fear response. There's healthy fear, right? Healthy fear for things that you should be afraid of in order to keep you safe. But then there's unhealthy fear. Like you can fear the future. You can fear people's opinion of you. You can fear uh, failure. You can fear all of these things that, honestly, God wants to drive out those fears, right? God is promising you, I'm with you, right? And this is a skybox example. There there are times where you go out in life, and and yes, everything is telling you when the box is shaking, you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I want to be afraid, I want to be afraid, I want to be afraid, but who made the skybox, I know there's some engineers in Chicago who made the skybox, but in the metaphor, right? Who made you and who made the kingdom that you're living in? This is why Dallas Willard says, if you are living in the kingdom of God, 
The universe is a perfectly safe place for you to be. We can trust that. We can trust that there is a power that is greater than any other power. There is a force, there is a strength that is stronger, more capable of anything else. And so we do not need to be afraid. Friends, I'm, I'm going to, um, th- this is a really good scripture. Read this on your own if you want to. Um, but I'm going to skip this just for the sake of time. Acts 9.31. Look it up. It's good. Um, but I want to end with this. Uh, so in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, this is C.S. Lewis's kind of like metaphor for, you know, a relationship with God, and he uses, like, fantasy creatures. And so there's this group of kids who go into a magical closet, you know, wardrobe, they call it in England, and they appear in this magical world of Narnia. And God is represented in this world as Aslan, this mighty lion. And so there's this exchange when one of the kids finds out who Aslan is and finds out that Aslan is a lion. And so this is an exchange with her and Mr. Beaver because there's anthropomorphic animals who talk in this world, right? And so she says, Aslan is a, or uh, sorry, uh, Mr. Beaver is saying this. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I love that. Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. That's our God, guys. Of course he isn't safe. He created the heavens and the earth. He created all the stuff we see. He's powerful and mighty. But we are safe with him because he's good. Because he's good. And we can trust that. Friends, uh, we're going to go into our time of communion.